You'll remain standing as I read from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. I'll be reading from the New Revised Standard Version. Just then, a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him, and when he saw him, he was moved with pity, and he went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, Take care of him, and when I come back I will pay you whatever more you spend. Which of these do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? He said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. This is God's word for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, we thank you for these words from your servant Luke about Jesus and a learned man and Lord may it be more than just a lesson for him but it may be it may it be for us and yes Lord even about us so Lord by your spirit use these words to speak to us and use even me that what I speak today glorifies you and edifies your church. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. I think this is one of those stories that most of you remember. If you went to Sunday school or vacation Bible school or grew up in the church, you've heard the story of the Good Samaritan. And, um, it kind of became synonymous, even with those who didn't go to church, with someone who did good deeds. And so many look at this as an example of how we treat others. But I want to tell you that it's more than that. And I want you to remember something, it's context. Anytime you read scripture, read what's going on before it and afterwards as well. So you can set it in context and um, 
not just read the parable, but what's going on? What caused Jesus to teach this at this time? When this lawyer, who was really not a lawyer, was um, more of a religious scholar, as we heard, um, correctly identifies the Samaritan as the neighbor, Jesus says, that's right. You know, good job. Do this and you'll live. And I think when we read Jesus' initial response, we focus on the do this. And we interpret this parable to mean Jesus is telling the lawyer and us to go and be good Samaritans by noticing those in need and helping them. In other words, we assume that Jesus is telling this guy, go and do something. But I encourage you to look at this story in a broader sense of what it is that Jesus is teaching this learned religious leader. And then what he's teaching us. And I suggest that he wasn't telling this man necessarily to do something as he was challenging him to see the world around him, especially its people in a different way. And to put it another way, it's not so much about what we do as it is how we live in this world around us every single day. You know, one of the things I've learned um, being a pastor, especially when it comes to pastoral care, is that so many times my job is not to do something. And that's tough for men. We like to do things, don't we guys? You can at least not yeah, admit it. Because we're fixers, right? But so many times my role was not to do something. My role was just to be. To be with someone. To sit beside a person in a time of need and be a presence. To be a living reminder of the grace of God shown in Jesus Christ. And it's easy to see why we get focused on doing when we read this parable. After all, the first question that the lawyer asked was a do question. What shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus tells him that he knew the answer. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And that is what we're to do as followers of Jesus. It's almost like the mission statement of the United Methodist Church, to make disciples of Jesus Christ. But the second question was not a do question. It was a B question. The lawyer wanted to know whom it was 
that Jesus considered to be his neighbor. And it was then that Jesus told the parable of the Good Samaritan. And he told the lawyer in uncertain terms that he must be a neighbor to those he considered ritually unclean and socially unacceptable and morally corrupt. The Samaritans were not well thought of by good Jewish people. And that's why Jesus used that example. And Jesus says that we must be in a loving relationship with all, especially those whom, with whom we would disagree, would judge as sinful or even despise. And as United Methodists, this is the parable that speaks to the second part of our mission statement. By that living this way, we participate in God's transformation of the world. But we also have that same problem that the, the lawyer did. We think the way to inherit eternal life is to do something. To say the right words, to do the right things, have the right kind of baptism, give the right amount of money, join the right church. See, you all are partially there. Live the right way, do the right things. In this way, we have control over our destiny. And we simply earn our way to eternal life by doing all the right things. But Jesus said it's not by doing something, but by being someone. When we were in Israel, we learned that the road between Jerusalem and Jericho was a dangerous road. In fact, um, that part of that was called the Valley of the Shadow of Death. You've heard that before, right? And it was a road that was frequented by robbers. And many listening to Jesus tell this parable would not be surprised to hear that a man was beaten and robbed on that road. But the first two people who saw the robbed and wounded, half-dead man lying on the side of the road are named as religious people. One's a priest and the other is a Levite. But they were too busy or afraid or indifferent to do anything. They went on the other side of the road and passed on. And all we know about the other one is that he was a Samaritan, one despised by the Jews. And we know that he was traveling along this well-known and sometimes dangerous road, minding his own business. And he came upon this situation of violence and hurt and need. And his response was not to go on the other side or run in the other direction, but to go to the side of this victim and offer assistance. He changes his plans in order to care for this man. 
He didn't call for someone else. He personally cleaned and bandaged the man's wounds. And then he loaded this individual on his own beast, took him to an inn, presumably paid for a room, and stayed with the man and nursed him. And even when he left the next day, he paid for that man to be able to stay until he was well. He didn't just do something for this stranger. He took time away from whatever he had planned and let this encounter change his course of action. Now, I don't know about you, and uh, my wife will attest to this. When I am on a road trip, I've got a destination in mind, and I am on my way, and I really don't like for other things to um, interfere with that. In fact, Corey will say, what was this? And I go, I don't know. What did that historical marker say? I don't know. (laughs) But we can get there by 3.30 if we keep going. And if I see someone stopped on the side of the road, I rarely stop to help, but not so much because of my schedule, because it would make me vulnerable, especially if it was a dangerous-looking situation. I might call the police, but I'm not sure if I'd approach. And I'm just being honest here. My tendency, like so many of us, is too often to think about how I might be affected by the situation. And when I think about my own response to Jesus challenging us all to be a neighbor at any time, even when we don't have all the information, and to be willing to take the risks for anyone, I know it reminds me that I have some work to do. Or should I say, I need to allow Jesus to do some more work on me. It's not a story about finding opportunities to do some good works in our communities. It's not even a story about answering a call to support someone in need, to sacrificially go and serve. It's a story about how we are to be every single day right here at our home, in our neighborhoods, in our churches, and when we're on the road to wherever. It's a call to be a follower of Christ. Not because we need to, but because it's who we are. Now, how do we become that kind of neighbor, that kind of follower of Jesus? 
In Philippians 2.5, Paul tells us to let the same mind be in us that was in Christ Jesus. And in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, it is so great the way he talks about what people know to be the laws and the rules that they're supposed to follow. But Jesus doesn't talk about deeds. He talks about a very change in who we are. What Jesus asks from us is all that we are. By the power of his Holy Spirit, we can be changed. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, we read, So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. Or in Romans 12, 2, to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. We get doing. And so often we're really good at doing. It's being that we struggle with. And I think that's because we can better control the doing. But I encourage you, be. Be with Jesus and receive the gifting of his spirit. Allow him to renew you and make you more. That the things that you do are an extension of him. That you don't even have to think about it. And that way, each of us can be that neighbor. Lord Jesus, thank you for the hard teachings. And forgive us when we try to make them simple or easy or overlook them altogether. But Lord, we count on you by the power of your Spirit to work in us, to change us, to transform us, to renew us. That way you might live for you and allow you to live in us and through us so that this world may also know you. For it is in your holy name that we pray. Amen. Amen. As we take this opportunity to give of our tithes and our offerings. Um, encourage any of you that are not with us personally today, um, you can give online by going by the church office or through the mail or at um, fumcclovis.net slash giving. Um, but this is our opportunity that God may be able to do so much more.